Welcome everybody to Kingdom Talks. I've got Dick Rabel with me and we're going to be talking a little bit about how we met and some things going on in the, the heavens and the ecclesias. Uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation, but before we get started, I just encourage you to consider supporting us. We are listener supported. You can go to kingdomtalksmedia.com and go to our website there and look for the giving tab. And there's a place where you can partner with us and help get this message out to a number of people. So we just thank you for your support. Uh, also, Another thing that helps is just sharing it. So whether you're watching on your phone or on your computer, uh, hit that share button, hit that like button. And if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, encourage people to join in this movement. We are just wanting to see people set free and operating in the heavens and engaging with Father uh, with the freedom of that personal relationship that uh, so many are looking for. So thank you all. All right, so let's dive in here. Dick, how are you doing? I am doing terrific. Thank you. I just am thrilled to be here, an honor to be here, and really enjoy being with you. Now, I'm thinking about when we first met, because I believe it was uh, through either Anne, Anna Wingate or uh, Dale Hungerford and the Northwest Ecclesia, right? That's right. And a little background on that. My wife and I traveled to England in 2019 to attend the first Restoration of All Things Conference in Barnstaple, England, which I did pronounce correctly. And <laughs> as it turned out, of the 200 people in the room, we ended up sitting next to Anna and Del. Really? We didn't know them. We didn't know them that's we, that's how amazing. we met them, was in England. Yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's a little backstory on that. That's incredible. So uh, what year was that again? 2019. So that was the first restoration. It was a live, the live conference. And that's where we met uh, uh, Lindy Strong, Justin Abraham, Mike Parsons, and Nancy Cohen. Now I had actually met Nancy Cohen before. She had come to our church in Frederick, Maryland 20 years before that. But that was the first time I had seen her and since that time. Wow. Wow. That, that is so cool. So um, tell me a little bit about your background. I mean, uh, are, are you still in a church? Are you outside of the church? Uh, what, what? Just give a little bit of your background and testimony. I'd love to hear it because I, I haven't heard it before and I'd love to. No, I don't think I don't think too many people have. And um, so my story starts uh, somewhere around 1977, if you want to as far as uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. But it, it actually, I have, to, I have to move the clock back about 10 years because my dad, who was a, a surgeon in North Carolina, I was born and raised in North Carolina, went to school there. My, my parents were very Catholic, but my dad went to a full gospel businessmen's meeting in the uh -huh. late 50s. He, yeah, got a yeah. word, he got a word at this meeting that someone was going to come and visit him and bring him the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All of that took place much to the horror of my mother, but she later got baptized in the Holy Spirit too. And my dad had, had uh, as a surgeon, he gave a talk on the medical aspects of the crucifixion based on the, what is known as the Shroud of Turin. And he gave that talk for 500, for five, to over 500 churches throughout his life. Wow. And anyway, Part of the story is, is that at one point along there, he prayed, he prayed over me. I can't remember what year it happened, 
But later on, I went to a conference with them, a charismatic conference, and received baptism of the Holy Spirit. It, it really radically changed my life. And that was around 1977. And then my wife and I got married in 1980. And we joined a charismatic Christian community in Gaithersburg, Maryland. And we were part of that for about 15 years. And then what was interesting, we thought we were going to be always a part of that. And, uh, but that didn't continue on. And right about the time of the Toronto blessing, which I also had participated in, uh, the Christian community dispersed into different factions and whatever else we want to call that but it was i look back now and i see it was a bridge it was a bridge from where we were going where we were at to where we had to go yeah and the toronto blessing was part of that bridge and that took us along this timeline in the late 90s and we got involved in the toronto blessing and then we got involved in the some of the prophetic movement and then we were in a church in Frederick, Maryland, which was part of the prophetic movement. And a number of speakers came there. We saw, we saw Graham Cook, we saw uh, Bob Jones, um, and a lot of other well-known speakers, people that you'd be familiar with, showed up from time to time there. Mm -hmm. But then at, at a, a few years later, God put us in a home church. Huh. And so, we moved from a very formal, highly structured situation to something that was much looser. And we were there for about 15 years when God suddenly brought us, and I mean suddenly brought us to what we're into now, which is still being defined. Right. Yeah. But it's part of what Kingdom Talks is about. It's part of what the Worldwide Ecclesia is about. Uh, and we went, and that was a very quick transition for us from, from one situation to another. But um, along the way was lots of changes. We raised a family of five children. We have five grandchildren. Uh, we've gone through many, many different ways of understanding who God is in our lives, a lot of different ways of finding healing, uh, what you know, what is God doing? Who is God? All these questions. And I hope that kind of capsulizes it for you and kind of brings me up to 2021. So that's a very quick, that's a very quick analysis for you. So, you know, one of the things that I think um, uh, people who are looking at this, this movement that, that, that we're in, um, it can be challenging for them to kind of make the leap from the church environment that they've been in to this because a lot of pastors and a lot of people in the church environment are not open to this. Um, did you have any problem making that leap or, or did you run into anything where you lost, you know, some people along the way that just weren't uh, willing or able to come along on the journey? Or you mean if they gave us the left foot ourselves? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I try to add a little sense of humor to it. Um, there were several painful moments and several moments. I mean, there were times when the Holy Spirit was definitely directing this and we were very supported in it. Other times, things, there was a lot of friction, a lot of yes, no, back and forth. 
uh, I can look back and see what you might call two times of betrayal. People who we thought were supporting us one way didn't support us. And, you know, all of that, the, all of that is just part of the transition yeah. that we go through as part of our normal Christian life. If we're going to continue to walk in what God is calling us to do, and every single person has a different call on that. And I think one of the things that I've been reflecting on lately is unconditional love. And I, I look back now over those 40 years and I'm like, I still am just, just have a little sense of what that is about. And yet God continues to keep moving us forward. He keeps, he keeps moving us forward because uh, we want to be there with him wherever yeah. he's going. We want that. That's, that's kind of the, the, the barometer for us is where does he want to take us? And I think the second part of that is identity. Um, because, you know, for many of those years, it was like you were following certain streams or certain people or certain ideologies as things were happening. And I think that was very natural. But all along, God has been trying to bring us into our own identity, mm -hmm. each of us, our own voice, our own platforms. And that's not to be uh, where we are the magnet to draw people to follow us as much as we're to help other people keep following him. Yeah. So that, I hope that makes sense. It's not, it's not about me being um, well-known because I'm obviously not, but it is about me saying, how can I help you get over there? I think you hit on a, some really important points here. I, you know, I'm looking uh, you know, identity is a major, major piece of um, this this movement because it's really, truly understanding who and what we are. Um, the other thing you were talking about, I, I, I got as I, as you were saying, and I'm just thinking. It seems like the people that are truly and honestly, with all integrity, hungry for what God is doing they can slip and they will move into this movement. They'll slip into it. They'll move into it with a lot more ease than someone who is more concerned about being right. You know, they're more concerned about having the right doctrine and the right this and the right that, uh, because that's not necessarily God. Um, you know, we've all looked at what we used to believe. And, you know, within the t last 10 years, if we don't believe something differently, then we probably haven't grown. <laughs> So we're all growing, and as we grow, we realize, oh, what I used to believe doesn't really fit with what I understand now. And so in that hunger, we continue to move into what's next and into the, into the new revelation that we've received. But someone who's more concerned about being right, which often comes from fear, because if someone's fearful, then they want to have a platform to, to kind of sit on and not move and not go anywhere. Because if it moves, then that instability really shakes them up and that fear kind of, you know, breaks out again. But when we are trusting in a loving God, when we really know him, when we spent time with him, can't help but trust him, can't help but love him and know that he loves us and know that he has our best in mind. Therefore, it's easier for us to kind of shift into what he's doing versus being stuck and kind of stagnant in a specific set of doctrines that make us feel comfortable for the time. That's yeah. a really, 
Well, I'll, I'll respond to that in two ways. One is I've really had to come through a lot to understand that point about not being right isn't necessarily where God wants us to be because it is ingrained in us to be right. Right, you know, correct. Ingrained <laughs> in us to say you are right, this is right and wrong. And I, I was raised in a Catholic environment, as I mentioned. Being right or wrong is huge in that for your conscience, you know. Right. And it's, there's a huge uh, backdrop to that. I think in the evangelical world, it's a huge backdrop. And yet, Jesus never really looked at anything right and wrong. In fact, he blew everything up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, how I do you go yeah. up? How do you go up and hug a leper? He wasn't six feet apart, you know, that, right. that there had to be something wrong with that, right? Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it was, there was something that he was able to bring in, which is, I think, going back to this unconditional love. Because I've, even in the last couple of years, I've been very surprised at where God has put me in terms of leadership. It's not in church, in the church. It's all church related, although I'm part of a leadership with DC Ecclesia, but it, I've been with people that I never thought I would be with. And, and this is the way that God's kind of expanded my thinking about his love. That it's not about being right. It's not about being wrong. It is about love. And it is yes. about listening to understand instead of listening to give my opinion. And, and, and that's a whole different way of operating, an entirely different way of operating. I've been, uh, I'll mention, I've been reading Dr. O's book on operating in abundance. And uh, interestingly enough, the whole theme of abundance is something that came to me out of our business, my business network meetings, rather than out of the church or out of anything else I had read. Now, and new agers have a certain concept of abundance too. Mm -hmm. And it's a little different but it's out there. And so, and then recently I, I grabbed a hold of Dr. O's book on operating in abundance based on Psalm 23. And I realized that um, one of the main themes of this book is that we typically operate out of scarcity. You know, we don't really yeah. know how much we have and how much we carry. And we've been taught that we are, we've only got a little and we're only gonna ever have a little and you got to grab, and for some people, it's just grab as much as you can now, because later on you may not have it, and that kind of thing. Rather than we've got so much, and it runs down our head, it overflows, it operates out of our hands, and we can give that away. Uh, that's a whole different mentality, an entirely different mentality than I've been in previously. And that's part of identity. It's part of knowing what what Jesus has done, and we we're reflecting that. It's part of how he's opened the open. The heavens have been opened to us now at this time. Yeah. The waters are being poured out at this time. So there's this, everything is pointing to abundance. Right. And yeah. yet we still are operating out of scarcity because unconditional love, it's just so scarce to experience it. Yeah. yeah. To really experience unconditional love is, is a very... Uh, if, if all of us look back in our lives, we might say, well, maybe I got it from my dad or my mom, maybe my wife or my spouse or somebody, but, you know, they, they can't see it in, in all kinds of 
infinite ways. Well, I, I, I really love your heart and where we're, you know, just this conversation because, you know, we, we've got this identity conference that starts tonight and we're going, you know, tonight and all day tomorrow with um, five different speakers on identity. So I know it's, it's going to be coming from a lot of different angles and so forth. But I remember before we ever got in this movement years ago, identity was a big thing. But no one ever took the time to really explain what it was or how it worked. All they, all that I really ever heard was that, um, you know, your identity is not your job. It's not what you do. I'm like, okay, uh, what is it then? <laughs> no, no one really ever. I never heard anyone talk about it or explain it. It's like there was this awakening coming to where people were realizing, wow, your identity is not what you do. You know, and, and but that's really all they had at the time. And, and now I feel like Father's releasing more. More and more is being released to where we're getting a bigger and better and deeper understanding of what identity really means and what it's about. And, and then the unconditional love that comes out of that. I mean, I, I'm excited if you're interested just to keep on this track here because I really got some deep areas I'd love to go um, and, and hear your response and how you think about these things. But... You know, one of the things uh, we're seeing right now is in the Christian world, there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians that are jumping up in arms about, you know, our current situation and the rights that are being taken away and all this. And I'm, I'm in agreement. You know, I believe, yes, our rights are being taken away. It's, it's not right what's going on. I, I'm in agreement with that. However, you know, I'm kind of in this feisty mood and I'm having my time with God. And, and, and I asked him, and I don't, I don't have my journal, well... I'd have to find. I'm not going to go, you know, rummaging through my journal to find it. But I asked him, I said, um, you know what? Oh, I, I know what I said. I said that, you know, the world's a little little crazier right now than it's, you know, than it has been, at least for me. Uh, what what do you, you know, what do you have? What, in fact, I said, what is your plan for me, for Kingdom Equipping Center, for your people? And and he just came back. He just said, stop. Um, oh, man, what was it? It was just two words. It was stop. Uh, stop resisting. And I'm like, stop resisting? I said, wow, I, I don't know how well that's going to go over if I share that. And I said, may I ask how? Oh, and, he, and then he responded. He says, well, my people will hear my voice. And then I said, well, how is this really going to help the current situation? And then he went into this thing of just reminding me of what Jesus did. That Jesus, when, you know, Jesus never showed aggression. He never fought. He was never fighting. He, I believe that even in the temple, when he cleansed the temple, you know, it does not say that he hit anybody with his whip or that he was, you know, throwing things across the table. He said he overturned the tables. Well, that could have been done in a lot of different ways. In fact, you could even interpret that in, in that he overturned the table and that he got their stuff off of the table and he turned it into something else that would represent his father. I mean, there's multiple different ways that could be interpreted, but we always want to go to this idea that he was in there whipping people and throwing tables across the room. And, and I'm like, I don't think so because I believe, and I'd have to go back and look at it, but I believe right after that, is the verse where he's sitting with the children and the children are coming to him. I can tell you that I know for myself that if I were in that mood and that frequency, 
I don't think little children would be feeling, feeling real safe to come over to me. <laughs> so I, I really believe that he, he even did that in such a way that it was, um, you know, it was done in love. Whatever he did there was done in love. So then, then he gets to the time of the cross. And when he came up against the Romans with that in mind, knowing that he was going to be going to the cross, he did not resist. He never once, you know, every once in a while he threw out a few words just for them to think about, about what they were doing. But he did not resist them, even unto the cross where he died. And, you know, his, even his disciples looking on thinking all is lost. We're done, you know. You know, we were following what we thought was this great, powerful man with a great message, and and it's it's over. But then Father said, he laid down everything. The Christ anointing in him, uh, you know, he lay, he was willing to lay everything down, and in doing so, he was able to step into the fullness of the power and authority of that Christ anointing, which. You know, he was able to, you know, he was resurrected. He was full power, full authority. And then Father said, and where are the Romans today? The Roman Empire. Like, okay, well, they've been gone a long time. And now look at the followers of Jesus. The biggest following the world has ever known. And what did he do? He did not resist. When his time came, he did not resist. He laid everything down and was willing to sacrifice even his life unconditional love, love to the fullest, to the max, did not resist. And that just really hit me. And then Father, was what he was getting at was, what if sons today displayed that level of love in the current situation? Now, how that's done, I really don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But what if we displayed that love versus, you're taking away my rights? <laughs> and, and even at that, Father said, what's the frequency? You're taking away my rights. What frequency am I operating in? Is that a negative one or a positive one? Uh, so a lot of things for us as Christians to think about. And so anyway, that was a lot. I didn't mean to preach, but you, <laughs> I'd like to well, get your you thoughts. Be, well, I have a lot of thoughts, and uh, I'm still dwelling a little bit on what you said because it's quite profound, Gil. And it's very, I think that's a very timely word. And you know, I was listening to another person from another country speak about our current situation. He said, either we do this or we go to jail over here. We don't have a choice. Mm -hmm, In America, mm -hmm. right now, you've still got choices. Right, right. You know, so everyone is in a different place with all of that. And it, it's quite a challenge to us. Um, let me just jump back a second mm -hmm. on identity. Because I think what's going on is not only is identity becoming something that we are now be, being more integrated into who God is. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 9, 10, 11, and 12, um, the mirror translation talks about when we experience the love of God, that love gets unveiled. And so I was looking at it today and just dwelling on that. When I'm, when I'm in that place of, with, when I'm with someone, and if I am operating in love in that frequency, 
I am unveiling Jesus to them. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty, yeah. you know, it's, it's a little stunning to believe that that's what we're doing. If that person is seeing love, even if, even if we are not living up, you know, even if it's only 5% of what that means, they're still getting an unveiling of who Jesus is because he's inside of us and the, and who, and he is inside of them. Consequently, he, that unveiling is, is occurring in two places. It's, a, it's occurring yeah. outside from us and it's current, occurring within, within them. So there's, there's that piece of it that connects to un unconditional love because it says in John, 1 John there that Jesus came to reveal the Father and reveal the love. And that revelation is an unveiling. So, um, so when our identity is no longer tied up into who we are as U.S. citizens, whether we're what political position we take, philosophical position, theological position, it, it, none of it really stacks up in terms of unveiling who Jesus is. Yeah, Jesus yeah. is going to be unveiled because of love, not because of anything else. And I think that was something that when, when my dad spoke about the medical aspects of the crucifixion, it was actually a sneaky way for him to give his witness. He was really just telling people, I saw, I encountered this person on this cross and it changed my life. That's what he was saying, because mm -hmm. I saw him face to face. I, he was unveiled to me. Yeah. It was yeah. an unveiling when he was, what, what I saw when I encountered that cross, it was an unveiling of love and it, and it disarmed me. And so our identity, when our identity becomes wrapped up in that, yeah, then yeah. I think our hearts and our minds and everything else changes. That's where we get to that transformation piece. And I know that's another big word that we all kind of stumble over. What does mm -hmm. that really look like? What does that really mean? But in the end, I think it's an unveiling. And yeah. the other part, uh, let me switch to what I think is the other part of that is, and that's intuition. Hmm. And um, in this particular movement, we are experiencing the intu intuition in a whole new way. And intuition yeah. is something that gets talked about in the technology sector and with software, with how you do things on websites. And I get involved in that and I'm involved in it because I'm in marketing and branding and design. And, but the truth of the matter is intuition is simply God talking to us and us hearing that. And, yeah. and that's what you call going with your gut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's the still small voice. It's the whisper. But it's what's inside of you that you're listening to. Prayer is us talking to God. Intuition is him saying to you, stop resisting. It's a whole mm -hmm. different way of putting it. As one person put it, was the telephone waiting for Bell? Was Bell waiting for the telephone? You know, <laughs> you know, if you start communicating in, in that kind of concept. Yeah. So, so intuition becomes part of this. And, and the more we open ourselves up in intuition to who Jesus is and that identity. And I'm just kind of downloading this as I'm talking. Um, it's good. It's I, good. I'm, I'm realizing 
I'm realizing that as I open myself up to him, all the other things that have been consuming us in the world and have, and have kept us tethered and kept us bound don't really mean that much. They don't really mean right. that much when we stand against him. Because again, you got people in these other countries and they don't have choices like we have. Right. How do they demonstrate intuition? You know, and how do they, they demonstrate that love and how do they experience it? And so, so I think, I think the scripture that I really like a lot, I mean, there's so many scriptures obviously about identity. I think the prodigal son one is really the one of my favorites. In fact, that there's those three um, particular parables right there together with the prodigal son one in Luke. And uh, I like to change that name to the lost identity story, the story of the lost identity. You know, and you have the lost coins and you've got the, the other stories that go with it. But it's all about identity. And yeah. the, the prodigal didn't know who he was. You know, it's really a story right. about who am I and I've got to go out and find myself in the world. And he, you know, the father is not emotional about it you know we kind of right. think he's emotional but he's really not you know yeah. he sees the big picture so we know that part of the story but if we turn it around and just talk about identity if we talk about it that whole story from the point of view of identity and who you and knowing who we are so that when he's sitting there and he's really unhappy with his job and he's kind of bored and he's tired of you know working on websites and he's tired of fixing software and, uh, you know, he's really had it. He says, gee whiz, I, you know, who is God? Who is he? And he says, I think I'll go check him out. And then, he, which is in the story, he wants to go back to his father and live there. And then you have the other identity issue, which is the other son. Right. And another perspective of identity where we've done everything quote in that right way that we were talking about earlier mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and everything mm -hmm. is right or wrong you know there was no exploration there was no discovery there was no looking deeper there was no philosophical discussion you either did it or you didn't you know it was black it was kind of black and white for him mm -hmm. right, right. So that's another identity issue and and the, and again when we start to look at it from that perspective and the father touches him and says, you know, you're always with me. And, and, and it's kind of a, it's such a simple statement that doesn't seem to get resolved in the story. Right. And yeah, there seems to be a lot of, un, you know, things aren't resolved that much for the older son. And yet he's saying, you're always with me. You know, you always, you right. never, you never departed. What, why do you think that what you accomplish or what you do makes a difference yeah well i love i love what you're what you're sharing and, and it you know really resonates with with my heart and some of the stuff we've shared that um you know it's that thing where when when i finally so so just my background you know was i lived in depression most of my life and and uh finally came to a place where um i was willing to start listening to god and as I really began to listen to what he was saying about me, I had to make a choice. 
It's like, was I going to believe it and align with what he was saying about me? All the good and wonderful, awesome things that, you know, in my life up to that point, I, I could not accept it from anybody. Um, but then when he began to download all that to me and I began to believe it and accept it, I began to align with who I truly am in him. And it wasn't based off doctrine, wasn't based off of my work, wasn't based off my political position or anything else. All it was based off is what he was saying about me. And that was who I am. That's my identity. And when I align with that, the beautiful and awesome thing that I, that, you know, just happened, which I believe is in his laws of, you know, uh, in natural laws that he's put out there, is that once I aligned with him, all of a sudden I began to attract things of a new nature. So I never, in other words, I was operating in a pretty negative frequency most of my life. And here I start switching to positive frequencies that are aligned with who I am. And all of a sudden things began to attract, you know, to me that I actually needed in order to accomplish what he had already put in my heart. I didn't have to go out and look for it. I didn't have to go out and scratch and fight and make a dollar and, you know, whatever to make all of it happen. It just began to come to me. And from that came the impact that I believe I'm supposed to have in the earth. So alignment, attraction, and impact. When those things, when you align with your identity, it, you just begin to attract the things that you're supposed to have and need in order to do what you're called to do. And then your impact will take place. And there's no effort in striving behind it. It's just aligning with who you are, your identity. And, and I think the part that I, I love that and that law of attraction, which again, <laughs> it's been, you can Google that, that phrase and you'll get a lot of different information about law of attraction. Right. But in, in terms of who we are in alignment with, with how much God loves us, it is another level of attraction that's beyond what we yeah. ever imagined it could be. Now, I, I wanted to share one thing because you were getting personal mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, wow, Gil's getting personal. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I, one of my struggles is that I'm, a, I'm an exhorter by nature. My background is Lebanese and Lebanese are exhorters. It's an exhorter country. We welcome everybody, even our enemies, to go and take us over. You know, those are the kinds of things that we are so good at because we don't want to make anybody unhappy. You know, so I have this, I have this built-in thing where I have to make sure everybody is happy. And if they're not happy with me, then I'm not happy. And so one of my core things is I just, I'm relational and, and, I just have such a struggle in saying no, or that's wrong, or you can't do that, or that's, you know, even if I know it's right or wrong. Now, my wife, on the other hand, has no problem saying that's wrong. <laughs> and walking away from it and hurting and smashing the feelings to bits. She has no problem doing that, you know, until later on and she thinks about it. But in the moment, in the moment, I'm like bound up. So I, I wanted to kind of be a little real real here about the struggle that we can internally have depending on our makeup you know if we yeah. tend to be more black and white we're going to operate a certain way if we tend to be more have more grays and you know colors 
And all of that comes from a lot of what's in our DNA and how we've been raised and all those other things. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and our design, and our design. And knowing that, knowing that my design is that way, now I can take that to the level that God intended it to be, rather than just leaving it on a natural plane and saying, I'm a nice guy, you know, and everybody should yeah. So, so I just wanted to throw yeah. that out too that when I'm trying to get to that place of alignment, I have to and I have to leave that tree of knowledge of good and evil because that's all tree of knowledge of good and evil, which mm-hmm. um, I don't know how much you've talked about tree of knowledge of good and evil. I find it to be like everything that I learned, <laughs> good or bad, and and tree of life, the tree of life is so is so different it's it is entirely intuitive let's put it that way you know and so because of that i have an internal conflict going on which says intuitively i know that i've just got to walk away but rationally i've got 14 different arguments that say i shouldn't (laughs) yeah so and so i i'm learning now as part of our identity as, as part of that growth and identity to say, I'm going to pay more attention to my intuition in the trees yes. than I am in all that other stuff that I was raised with in the tree of knowledge. Of you know, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because even on our website, we only have, we have two videos right up front to describe who we are and what we're about. And one is our three plumb lines. And then the second one is on tree of life versus tree of knowledge of good and evil, because um, it's the church overall has operated very, very strongly out of the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because why do we have so many denominations? Because one thinks that their knowledge is better than the other one. And so we can't walk together. So we're going to have to divide and start another denomination versus what we're our whole a, a massive part of our heart and message with Kingdom Equipping Center and Kingdom Talks is that we learn to walk together even though we don't believe the same. Because the fact is, you and I and every other person on the planet will not agree 100% on everything. And if we're going to base our relationship based on 100% agreement, we're done. <laughs> That's tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's what the church has lived out of versus relationship where I put my relationship above what I think I know because all of us, again, have changed what we think we know because we've grown and we understand things better. <laughs> yeah, you know, you just reminded me of something from Dr. O's little book on operating in abundance about there's the scripture in Psalm 23, which says he's, he sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I've never really understood that. And I'm just now starting to understand something. And, 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 and in the book, he throws this really massive mindset challenge down to you. And he says, if you can't sit down with your enemies, you're not going to get anywhere. And it's, I mean, that's a simplification mm-hmm. of my growth. I, I, I simplified it. But he's basically saying that, that, you know, if all we're doing is sitting down with our good buddies and our friends and people who agree with us, that's not what the Word of God says. He's saying yeah. what Jesus did was he died before his enemy. 
he set the table. And so when we, and so I had this, I had this uh, little time of ascension and I was thinking about that because I was like, wow, this is really messing with me right now, Lord. Cause I'm like, I don't like a lot of people, you know, <laughs> I don't like a lot of things because and he, and he, and he helped. And one thing that he helped him do in that little book was he said, sometimes the enemies are within, like you were talking about depression. And, and I know I've had traumas and some depression and different things and mm -hmm. others have had other issues. But sometimes those enemies are within and sometimes those enemies are within, oh, yeah. but we're still yeah. sitting down at the same table. And so he says you're, and so I had this picture and I saw the table and I was sitting on one side of the table and there was all this abundance of food and drink and everything. And behind me were the thousands and thousands of beings. Now those beings included the angels, they included the cloud of witnesses, they included, you know, all kinds of entities and you know from the heavenly realms and that was all around me and i'd never seen that before I, you know because i kind of think i'm you know it's me and 10 people and so but on the other side of the table were the enemies and the enemies had this little tiny box in front of them and there was only a few of them but they were kind of snarly <laughs> and um the little box kind of represented scarcity of their mindset the fears the doubts the anxieties and it was all yeah, in yeah. box and i was i i i'm still dwelling on that image because i haven't fully unpacked it but i think it gives a little glimpse of what we're talking about when we think about identity and abundance and the laws of attraction that what's inside of us is 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 vast it's beyond our conception. It's as deep as the oceans. It's wider than the heavens. It's all those wonderful words and poetic words that we use. And yet we think we kind of operate on the other side of the table in the scary, right, yeah. along with our enemies. But we have to be in the presence of them. We have to be in the presence of them. We cannot avoid them. And, and when Jesus said, love your enemies, that makes more sense to me now than it yeah. Yeah, and there's, uh, you know, there's verses, uh, well, I'm, I'm like, I'm sure someone's going to hear what I said before about uh, not resisting. And it's like, you know, the, in James it says, uh, resist the devil and he will flee. That to me is resisting the enemy within. Resist that one all day long, all the time. Because that one within is your own choices and your own things that you're dealing with. But when someone comes who has never met Jesus, never understood the love of Jesus, and they slap you. And, and I, I've even seen people try to, you know, take that, that verse where Jesus is saying, you know, don't resist, um, and try to turn it into, you know, basically the idea of don't get revenge. Mm -hmm. And that is not what that says at all, because he says if someone slaps you, he doesn't say J don't, don't slap them back. He says turn the other cheek. That's not revenge. That's simply showing love in that... I'm not going to hurt you. I love you. And I'm, I'm just not going to retaliate against you, period. Now, the enemies within, 
resist those all day long because those are oftentimes our own fabrication of some darkness that we've got that we've agreed with and, and because we agreed with it now it's got power and authority on us but jesus said in luke 10 19 that he has given us all power and authority over the enemy so if the enemy within has any anything on us or in us it's because we've agreed with it and if we want to get if we want that to go all we got to do is stop agreeing that's how i got out of my depression is i just stopped i'm like i've had enough of this <laughs> had 50 years of it. I'm done. And it took me, you know, a few weeks, maybe even a couple months of really just hammering that thing. It's like, no, <laughs> I do not agree with you, but it's gone now. You know, I don't deal with depression at all. And the stuff that used to trigger it doesn't even trigger it anymore. Um, you know, I'll, you know, I got some battles still, but not against depression. They're against those things. It's like, okay, now how do I deal with that? You know, what, what do I do with that thing that now has come against me that used to cause me to get depressed? I just now have to, you know, go to the Father, ask, how do I deal with that? But yeah, resist the enemy within, but do not resist the enemy outside because they need to see the love of God. Yes, yes. And I, and, and that's such a great, a great thing to consider. And I think that, when I look at the intuition piece of that, um, I think back to someone who said, we were taught to always look before you leap, right? Mm -hmm. But now intuition is saying leap before you look because that's where the true obedience is. And, mm. and, and, it, and so the enemies are going to say, well, you can't do that because of this. And you can't, see, those are enemies. You can't right. cause of, you can't do that because of, you, you shouldn't do that because of, or that's not, you know, all those things are enemies because they're mindsets that have locked us up and bound us and kept us in, 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 a, in a dominant, in, in putting our minds in a dominant position over our spirit. And our spirit yeah, that's good. is yeah, that's trying good. to get free and try and, and wants to take that position of saying leap because on the yeah. way down you're going to see all the possibilities you know yeah because you didn't look at all those other things that were binding you up those enemy you didn't look at the lint you didn't even see them as enemies anymore you just leap, right. and now you're starting to see cloud you're starting to see horizons you're starting to see colors you're starting to see limitless opportunities leap before you look that's <laughs> and it's contrary counter to everything that we've always thought it should be yeah no i i hear you and and i i, I agree it's just it is a whole new because uh, i've always lived my life very analytically very logically very skeptical guys and guys, we got to do it that way, right <laughs> But it wasn't until I was willing to lay that down. And the way I laid the skepticism down was just saying, so now instead when something comes to me that I don't get, I don't understand, I don't have a grid for it, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to take that and put it in my spiritual warehouse and just leave it there. Yeah. And when Father, you know, when and if he feels like it's time to bring it out and explain it to me, then it's there. But I didn't reject it. I didn't cut it off from my existence. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not doing that. I'm just putting it over here because I don't understand it right now. 
And so, I mean, you know, doing this talk show with some people, you know, I do that a lot. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm hearing what you're saying, but uh, I can't, can't, can't quite get there with you right now. But anyway, yeah, it's, that, it's been a good change for me. That's an interesting point because a lot of times, like in the, the Restoration of All Things conference, uh, I'll hear, you know, you hear four or five different speakers or any conference now, you hear a lot of different speakers and you you listen and you go gee i really like that one i really like that one oh, i don't like that one i don't like that one and then what i find is that all the ones that i didn't like those are the ones the first ones i go back to because my, <laughs> my mind is now started to process yeah what was it that i didn't like about that you know what yeah. was really going on there <clears throat> that on the surface i like I said, I either put it back on the shelf or I just didn't understand it. So I kind of was like, well, okay, whatever. And, and I can think it, it's the funniest thing because I, I, one of the speakers at the first restoration conference, I was like, I don't understand that person at all. I'll, you know, and then by the second time I went to a conference where they were speaking, it was like, they were the first person I wanted to hear. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm like, well, how did that, what happened? What happened to make that change? What happened that, that caused me to want to listen to them, whereas before I was rejecting them? I know for myself that it, it was a matter of uh, I didn't have the grid or the understanding to pick up what they were saying at the time. And in the process of, you know, life and whatever and hearing other speakers, then now I've got an understanding of what they said. So now, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, now I get what you're saying. Let's, let's, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Been a lot of that going on with this whole movement. I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. You no, know, I really enjoyed watching uh, that one scene in The Chosen. Have you watched The Chosen? We are, I think we've got three more to finish off the second series. We, Oh. Couldn't get the app to work for like six months. So <laughs> technology is lo lovely, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> there is a scene. There is there's a lot of scenes in there where the apostles are just fighting with each other. Right, right. They're just totally like dissing each other, and they can't get along. They don't like this person for that reason, and they bring that out so well. And at one point, I thought they were all going to just end up fighting. <laughs> And I thought, you know, that's a really different view of the gospel than I've ever seen before, you know, because uh, a real life view, huh? It's real life, you know, like the zealot is really the zealot and the tax collector, you know, he's <laughs> and Peter's really that. And, you know, and so how do we make that work? How do we make that all work with unconditional love? Mm. How, how does that come together? That is the key. Yeah. You know, I, I just... So uh, I didn't want to great any great scenes to you, but it, it still it's um, I still think about that visually, and I think about it. I know I've got personal issues in my with relationships still that I'm trying to work through, and the more that I really try to find God's love in me, and declaring and decreeing that that love superabounds above all the other things that are going on, the rights, the wrongs, the opinions, you know, the issues, the more that I declare and decree that, 
then I know that's when I know that he is in more control of it and he is going to work it according to his purpose and not according to my purpose. Yeah. Because, because I think that um, one of the things that has to also be broken in this identity is that we sit back and wait for him to do something. You know, I think that's a, I think that's part of it because when you were talking about overcoming the depression, there was a way you made a decision in there. Yeah. And that was you putting your hand out and saying, I'm going forward. I'm taking the, I'm, I'm going to go forward. You took a step and that was an active proactive uh, decision on your part to move forward into something. And you weren't, and it wasn't that you weren't with God because you were, you were, but you were operating in that moment with his power. And so there was an alignment taking place. And I think we, maybe that is often not explained very well in the movement that we're in right now, that, that part of this whole thing is a proactive, conscious, proactive thing where we carry something inside of us that yeah. always designed us to have and always designed mm -hmm. us to move forward into, such as if I go back to Bell invented the telephone, well, the telephone was probably like like the person said the telephone was out there waiting yeah i was like i'm gonna go <clears throat> into this area i'm gonna go into this realm i'm gonna find it i'm gonna pull it back out and here it is and so yeah. there's an alignment that took place but it's not just us um you know standing back waiting or passive, right. passive. that's what i want to say we're, we're not passive participants that's really what i want and that's, I think, what so many people misinterpret or misunderstand in this movement, that when we're talking about um, some of the stuff we're sharing that sounds passive, here's what I say. I'd rather go see what the Father's doing because his whatever he's doing is going to be a thousand times better than what I can do on my best day. So why wouldn't I want to take the time to go see what he's doing and to step into that realm, you know, versus just doing my own thing day after day? Uh, I have found, you know, so much more relevance, so much more uh, effectiveness when I just out of rest because I, you can't get to him when you're all riled up. But when you're in rest, you can engage with him and just, you know, align with what he's saying about you. You know, identity is so, so, so important because, you know, like you were talking with the apostles, what's going on there? Each time there's an offense it's usually over identity because if I think that things should be this way and that my identity is based on me being right, you know, if I'm not right, well, then it's messing with my identity and someone challenges that. Well, now I'm offended. You know, the, the circle, the vicious circle and cycle just keeps going and going and going. But if my identity is in him, then I find myself in a place where, you know, I'm, you know, my part that I'm doing on this identity conference tomorrow night is I spend a fair amount of time on this, but it's learning what it means and understanding what it means to let it go and let it flow. Flow with what God is doing and you will be at so much more peace and rest. And again, you'll get a thousand times more done than you could on your best day when you're able to just rest and let it go and let it flow. And when someone 
throws something at you or smacks you, you know, it's it's no big deal. Honestly, if your identity is him, it's no big deal. Even unto death, it's yeah. no big deal if you really have a heavenly perspective. So it's it's a challenge, though, for us to be able to lay stuff down and not take offense. But, but that's where we need to go. Yeah. You know, um, and I think there's a, a piece that we underestimate. I know that I've underestimated in my life, and that is our creative ability is greatly underestimated as part of yeah, this. Yeah. So I'll give you, I'll just say, I don't know how we're doing on time, but. Well, we got, we actually have about two or three minutes left. So uh, finish uh, off with this if you like. Uh, when I was in college, I was a fine arts major, and I have this series of paintings I did. Okay. And I did these paintings and um, a couple years ago, we, we got them from my, my parents kept everything because they were of that generation. Don't throw anything away. So my parents kept all my paintings and they were all large paintings. Some of these were four by sixes. I still have them around. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I look at them today and I go, what was I expressed? I didn't even, I don't even remember what I was doing, but they were, they were abstract paintings, but they were expressing the creative heavenly uh, point of view. And yeah, I didn't know yeah. it. I didn't really know it back then. But we, but we carry things in ourselves. And when God brings it out, he brings it out at different times. And sometimes he brings it out, puts it on the shelf, leaves it there and says, you did that. And I'm going to, and you may, it may take you 50 years before you get back to it, which it did. But <laughs> And I continued along a creative line in my profession, but I didn't go back over there. But now I'm starting to pull some things together again on the intuitive side. <clears throat> side. So I would like to encourage people that we're all creative and it doesn't have to express itself in art. It doesn't have to express itself in fine art. It doesn't, but it can express itself in a multitude of ways. Um, you know, somebody had to invent the wheel, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And the wheel doesn't look that exciting to us anymore, but somebody created that. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and so there's, there's art, there's music. That's, I think we're coming to a new level of music right now yeah. that hasn't been, we, we've only, we're, we're going to go into places in the music area that are going to really blow us all away. And I think yeah. we're, scratch the surface on that um so i just wanted to say art music but it could be technology i mean i just yeah. don't you know the, the ways that we communicate uh even and so so many things and it's going to be certainly on health there's areas of health that we have that creativity is waiting for us to jump into and explore and bring forth so i just i really think it's under under um we underestimate our abilities in that area. And I think that it's coming I agree. ways that we just are going to be mind boggling. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, now, Dick, uh, you're in the D.C. area, correct? That's right. And uh, you have an ecclesia that you uh, work with there? Yes. And it's a, very, <clears throat> you know, it's a small group of people. We joined that little group little merry band back in 2019 and 
um, there's nothing formal about our group except that we gather together on Zoom on Mondays right now. And everybody kind of brings something to, to the time we've spent. And we've got different expressions of things going on. So uh, Catherine Wang has been part of our group who's you know, been on your show and you, people are getting some of her teachings. And there's several other people in the group who are tremendously talented people. But we don't have a, but, but unlike, um, like Northwest Ecclesia has a very um, I think specific way that they operate. And I know there's a group around the country that are very specific and very, you know, you can identify who they are. You can't yeah. really tell by our group, you know, but there's, there's some amazing people in our group. And, um, and I just want to say that in terms of where we're heading in the next few years, I don't know yet. We don't have anything formal. We don't have yeah. anything established. We don't have anything concrete. That's what I'm looking for is the word concrete. There's nothing concrete about us, but I can tell you, if you need to meet somebody who's doing something, I can point them to you. I can say, here's, here's this person over here. You need to go talk to them because they're carrying something right now that is amazing. Or, you know, or it might be Catherine Wang as an example, since people are familiar with her, or it might be this other person. Um, and so th there's a lot of different um, expressions happening. And again, there's nothing concrete, but we, we've got, I think we've got a wonderful group, group that's been associated and people can yeah. explore their identity out of. We are doing a time frequency call, but what's interesting is that that particular call uh, lasts about 45 minutes, but it's with people from all over the country. And it's just a handful of people from different time zones. And yeah. so. Well, if somebody wanted to reach out to you after watching this, uh, do you have a, a method that you would prefer they uh, connect with you through? The best way is through my email. And okay. that's Dick. D-I-C-K at slice, S-L-I-C-E hyphen works, W-O-R-K-S dot com. Slice hyphen works is my uh, website and that's my business. And that's a creative business that I've been in. So that's the easiest way, dick at slice hyphen okay. dot com. Very good. Very good. Well, Dick, thank you for being on. I, I really honor you. And, and uh, I just, you know, I wrote down here, Dick. Heart of Keck, Heart of Kingdom Equipping Center. You carry the same heart that we do, and I, I love that. I love, you know, I'm looking for those people that are of like mind, like heart. You know, because there's there's different groups that are even in this movement, and uh, uh, just um, really appreciate what you're doing and where your heart is at, and the the love, the identity, the unconditional love are just things that are really meaningful to us as well. So thank you for coming on and sharing. Appreciate it very much. It's been my privilege, and I just am really privileged to, to have been here and honor you guys too. So I have a topic that we'll discuss on the behind the scenes. So um, anybody watching, uh, one of the ways to support us is uh, get, come in at the partnership level of uh, just behind the scenes, which you can get there by going to kingdomtalksmedia.com and go to the um, resources or uh, shortcuts tab, I guess it is. And there's a behind the scenes there. And uh, $10 a month helps get us get the word out and support us. And we appreciate each and every one of you who are already doing that. So blessings. And we'll see you behind the scenes. Take care. Thank you, Dick. Bye-bye.